All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a Wednesday crossover episode where I am joined by the Locked On Saints host, Ross Jackson. We're going to be talking about this upcoming Week 10 matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter, at Falcfans. Of course, I'm the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, and this podcast has nothing but illustrious guests. Today, I am joined by the host of the Locked On Saints podcast, Ross Jackson. We're going to be talking about this Week 10 matchup between the Falcons and Saints. Ross, let's kick things off talking a little bit about the Falcons offense going up against the Saints defense. The Falcons offense, usually this is sort of a key matchup for both of these teams because, you know, the Falcons typically have a high-flying offense um, that is going to be the focus of how the Saints are going to try to slow down this team. Um, but you're not really getting that situation right now in this uh, 2019 season where the Falcons offense is struggling a little bit. They missed their quarterback in Matt Ryan uh, two weeks ago, now coming off the bye, hopefully giving him an extra week of rest, rest that ankle. There is concerns whether, you know, how healthy he will be this week. And so when you're looking at the Falcons offense, are you as concerned about this offense as you may have been in previous matchups? Uh, man, look, here's the thing. Uh, and I've said this on the podcast a couple of times. And so, you know, Locked on Saints listeners have heard me say this over and over again. But I always do think that the worst possible way that you can prepare for an opponent is to sleep on them. <laughs> and so for me, uh, I think you come into this, look, it's a divisional matchup. It's a rivalry game. It's, you know, a game off the bye, which Sean Payton's been very good off the bye week, the best head coach in the last 10 years there, eight and two. Uh, he's been good with that. But you don't come into this game and feel like, all right, we're seven and one. The Falcons are one and seven. And so steamroll victory, we good and we out of here. Um, I don't think you can do that. I think you still have to prepare for this team like they have been the offensive you know, powerhouse that they have been for the last few years. And I mean, look, when you look at the Falcons, they're still you know at the top of the league right now with 316 passing yards per game. But that's kind of the big thing for the Saints is you know trying to limit that, not allow any of those big chunk plays and things. But when you look at the run game for the for the Falcons, that does kind of ease your soul a little bit, especially because the Saints have such a focus on defense against the run game and then forcing player forcing teams to beat them through the air. Um, so it kind of plays a little bit to what the Saints love to do, but they still have to be able to execute and they still need to be able to limit those big plays. And when you have receivers like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and now Austin Hooper getting really involved in that offense, you gotta you have still have a lot of weapons that you have to minimize. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the Saints did an interesting wrinkle um the last time the Falcons played them and I thought it was very pretty effective in that game last year where they had um, Marshawn Lattimore, instead of usually shadowing Julio Jones, as he has done in some of the previous matchups, they decided to put him on Calvin Ridley because Calvin Ridley kind of ripped the Saints defense a new one in the first matchup with the Saints in, in 2018. P.J. Williams is still having nightmares. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually why he got suspended uh, these last two games. They were suspending him for that awful performance last year. <laughs> but you know, I think the I think the Saints did a smart thing. They're like, okay, we're going to put our number one guy on their number two guy, and that did a good job because I think Ridley only had maybe like one catch in the first half, um, and it sort of forced the Falcons to play left handed, and they just basically decided, okay, we'll put our number two guy Eli Apple on Julio Jones, and we'll give him safety help, and that'll be a sort of a way to sort of keep them in check. That's basically the Bill Belichick 
plan when it comes to these number one receivers. I'm going to put my best guy on the number two guy, take him out of the game, and then I'll put my second or third best guy on the number one guy and give him safety help, and that should help limit him. Um, do you expect the Saints to sort of follow that same blueprint, and, and what are your expectations on whether that will be successful you know, for a second time in 2019? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something I'm really going to be inspecting over this week is to try to figure out exactly what it is they're going to do because they haven't shown that so far this season, that that's something they're willing to do. But we, like you said, we saw it in the last matchup, last couple of matchups against the Falcons, and it'd be effective. So I think, you know, it's a game plan that works, but we'll see exactly what it is. The Saints defense is a little bit different this year than it was last year. They're able to generate pressure and limit the run game with just the down linemen, just the defensive linemen this season. They've been really, really good there. And so because of that, you're able to drop seven guys back in coverage and help protect the pass or help protect against the pass. And so we'll see if that factors into the way that they uh, utilize their lineup and utilize their matchups when it comes to Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple. But certainly it's something that we've seen work before. And so, uh, you know, I I wouldn't be completely uh, shook to see that actually uh, happen again. I mean, the big thing for the Saints here is that you can allow all the passing yards that you want. You just have to keep this Falcon seam out of the end zone. And then you have to be able to execute over on the other side of the ball. But, uh, but yeah, I think it would be interesting. And I'm interested to see exactly how it is that they line up with Eli Apple and Marshawn Lattimore against these receivers this time around, especially without Muhammad Sanu there, who was another part of the wrinkle that the Saints did have to account for. Muhammad Sanu can kind of do anything on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and so, you know, they would always try to account for him when he was on the field in those three receiver sets. And then now we'll see exactly how it is that they, they try to match up moving forward with uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Yeah, the last point I'll bring up on the offense uh, with this matchup um, is the player that has always been sort of the thorn in the side of the Falcons has been Cameron Jordan these last couple of matchups. And now he's going to get the opportunity to face a rookie in, in Caleb McGarry. And, you know, this is kind of the player that the Falcons are drafting Caleb McGarry, hoping maybe not in this game just because he's a rookie and he's had his ups and downs this rookie season. But long term, he will be the guy that will be able to be able to go up against Cameron Jordan and allow Matt Ryan to breathe comfortably while he's sitting back in the pocket trying to get the ball to his receivers. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, sort of looking at the Saints front with, you know, some of the injuries that they had last year with Sheldon Rankins and and Jordan, you know, sort of, and and the improvement of of Marcus Davenport, what's going on with the Saints pass rush? And do you expect it to sort of be, you know, the difference in this game to help out those guys on the back end? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a big part of this defensive game plan. We've seen so far a couple of times this season where the Saints come into a game and don't necessarily focus on getting after the passer, but instead playing a little bit more contained. They played some very mobile quarterbacks uh, this year. And so we've seen some game plans kind of adjust away from getting after the quarterback. We saw that specifically in the Jacksonville game, just the way that they operated on defense in that, uh, in that matchup. But in this game with the run game over for the Falcons being, you know, not so productive and the saints having a good focus against the run. I think this might be one of the reasons why they come into this game and welcome the pass so that these improved defensive linemen, as we've seen so far throughout this season, right now they're looking at a rotation of about nine guys that can rotate in and out on that defensive line inside and outside and still generate pressure and still, you know, get some success and get home. And so I think with that being the case, you're going to see them go after the quarterback, whether it be Matt Ryan or Matt Schaub. I think that they're preparing for Matt Ryan as we all should be, uh, who might be a little hampered with his injury, a little less mobile than he usually is. And so they'll be able to get after him uh, and, you know, try to welcome the pass so that they can get after the quarterback. And so I think that the improvements that the saints have had amongst the defensive line so far, we'll see them really try to take advantage of that 
very young offensive line, young but expensive offensive line in Atlanta because they have invested on that offensive line for sure to try to keep uh, Matt Ryan healthy. Yeah, and this is the this is the reason why you invest for for these types of matchups in the mm-hmm. division. These are the teams you're going to be facing a bunch of times, and uh, you know you you talk about the uh, Saints getting after the Falcons quarterback, and I, you know that's a pretty good segue for us to talk about the possibility of the Falcons getting after the Saints quarterback, which I think has been a situation that has really played the Falcons team the last couple of times they or really not the last couple, like the last decade they played the Saints. <laughs> it seems like Drew Brees has forever to sit back there in the pocket and just pick them apart. And we're going to talk about that coming up on today's crossover episode. But before we get there, I want to let you guys know about the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to all 30 NBA teams, including the Locked On Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland. Find it on your favorite podcast platform, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So we're talking about the Falcons in this Saints matchup in Week 10 and their ability to try to pressure Drew Brees, who has basically been picking this defense apart for well over a decade, largely due to the fact that they can't get pressure on the quarterback. Um, and if they can't get any pressure on Drew Brees, it, in, given the way that the Falcons' defense has played this year, it, it's going to be even worse than it has been in some of these previous matchups where the Saints are putting up 30, 40 points, in my opinion. So, um, you know, the Saints offensive line has been one of the better offensive lines in the league. Do you feel pretty confident that they can hold up this week against the uh, Falcons passers that's been struggling this year? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. You know, this the Saints offensive line has had some hot and cold moments, some really good moments as well. I mean, they've neutralized guys like J.J. Watt, who for the first time in his career didn't record a single stat. They neutralized as best as, best as you can neutralize Khalil Mack. Uh, they did a great job against Demarcus Lawrence, but then they gave up, what, two, three sacks to Robert Quinn. Then they gave up a couple of sacks to Jacksonville as well. And so you've seen them kind of really perform very well against top-tier elite-level talent but then kind of yield to some sort of mid-tier level talent. And so when it comes up against this, this Falcons defensive line, who does have, you know, they do have some very good pass rushers along there, it's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how the Saints are able to perform against them. But the Saints offensive line has been very good. Uh, how is it that you're feeling about the, the defensive line's ability to get through guys like Ryan Ramchek, Eric McCoy, who's been great so far this season, uh, PFF's number one rated center as a rookie, and then, of course, Tron Armstead over on the edge? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons kind of, their lead dog on their pass rush is Grady Jarrett. And mm-hmm. one of the issues that they've had in previous matches against the Saints is the Saints have done a really good job keeping Grady Jarrett quiet in those games. Mm-hmm. And so if you can keep Grady Jarrett in check, like you don't really have to worry about Adrian Claiborne and Zach McKinley and Vic Beasley to, you know, wreak havoc. I would love to be able to eat crow on that take, you know, uh, <laughs> you know on Monday morning. Of course. Um, and have those guys absolutely destroying you know, the Teron Armsteads and the, the Ryan Redchecks of the world. But it, it does, you know, it seems pretty consistently that if you can sort of allow, particularly with Drew Brees, given sort of that ability to have that clean pocket to step up into and make those throws, um, given his shorter height and whatnot, um, you know, if you can keep, if you can block Brady Jarrett, then uh, it, it pretty much kind of neutralizes the entire Falcons pass rush. And they haven't really been that effective bringing extra pressure because they just don't trust the guys on the back end to really cover for long enough. They have been playing a lot more man coverage in recent weeks. So Mm -hmm. it at least uh, lends itself to the possibility that they could dial up more pressure, but they just haven't really been 
that effective at doing it this year. So it really kind of relies on those four guys up front doing their job. And the problem has been they just haven't really been doing it to the degree outside of Grady Jarrett uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned man coverage there. Uh, there was a pro football focus uh, study that came out very recently talking about how uh, these wide receivers around the league have performed against both man and zone coverage. And Michael Thomas, of course, we have to talk about him. Uh, Michael Thomas was uh, the only wide receiver to make the top five in both man and zone. How are you feeling about the matchup with Michael Thomas coming into this week? This, you know, I, I'm, if if I could be a guy that still worries about the Falcons after a one and seven season, this would be the one thing I worry about. Uh, but, you know, we've reached the point in this season where I'm, I don't worry too much about the Falcons at this point. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, Michael Thomas, like, if Desmond Trufant doesn't play and he, it doesn't sound like he will, that's going to be a thing to keep an eye on the injury reports for the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been the last, like, three games with a toe injury, and one was hoping that, okay, the bye week, that'll be four weeks off, and he'll be able to come back. But it sounds like maybe that's not as likely as it seemed. Uh, a week or so ago so if he doesn't play they're kind of screwed for lack of a better term like (laughs) it's one of those things where like they drafted Isaiah Oliver two years ago to kind of handle the big wide receivers like Michael Thomas like Mike Evans in the division but he's really struggled this year he's been kind of a liability this year they've been splitting reps with him with Bleedy Ray Wilson who's like their fifth cornerback um, because they don't really think Oliver is being good and so if Trufant doesn't play they kind of are forced to have to play Oliver in this game. If Trufant played, then they could go with Kendall Sheffield and put his speed against Ted Ginn and put uh-huh. Trufant on Michael Thomas. And then they could put DeMonte Casey, who's their hybrid safety nickel corner. He could play Austin Carr. And they would be all right. They At least the potential would be that they could be able to keep those guys in check when they play their man coverage. But unless Isaiah Oliver comes out of this bye week and, and plays lights out, which we haven't seen, really at this point this season, they don't really have an option. I guess they can still put Sheffield on Ginn just because no one else can handle his speed. Then mm-hmm. I guess you're stuck when Thomas moves into the slot. I guess you got to put him on Casey, but then, you know, Casey's given up like five, six inches to, to Michael Thomas. And then when Thomas is on the outside, I guess then you would put Oliver on him. It's just a bad matchup if Trufant does <laughs> in this game. And so, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else to say. It's just like, if they can't keep Michael Thomas contained, then and then you have to worry about Alvin Kamara on the flip side, who's given them loads of problems. It's just it's and then you you're worried about not pressuring Drew Brees, like you know it's it's this doom and gloom situation. But it's kind of just one of those things where like I don't have any confidence that the Falcons can do any of those three things that they need to do in order to keep the Saints' offense in check, particularly if, if Trufant doesn't play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the the Alvin Kamara question is a big question right now about whether or not the Saints are going to see him, if he's going to be available to them. He's dealing with an injury or actually a couple of injuries. Uh, but, you know, he had the bye week to rest up. He's been off for the last two weeks. Latavius Murray, in the meanwhile, has been excellent for the Saints, going over 100 uh, rushing yards in both of those games and then also catching his first ever career passing or sorry, receiving touchdown, which is excellent for him. Uh, but should get Alvin Kamara back hopefully this week. Uh, if that's the case, the split between Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara will definitely be something to watch to see how it is that they do that now that Latavius Murray has shown that he deserves a little bit more uh, more in terms of touches. Uh, you know, the look, the, the Falcons have actually been pretty pretty good against the run. So how are you feeling with that matchup in terms of trying to limit those two guys? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting because like the, you're right, the Falcons have been good against the run. 
But last week they played a lot of band coverage against Seattle. And they one of the things that we I've noticed watching the film this year is that when they play man coverage, they tend to be a lot more vulnerable against the run. Um, and that was the case uh, against Seattle last week where they were almost exclusively in man coverage um, in, in the first half. And, and Seattle really kind of ran the ball down their throat uh, in that second quarter. I think they had like 100 yards rushing just alone in that one quarter. And it's one of those things where they tend to play a lot of zone and that helps them against their um, run defense. But then when they play zone, because they have all these mental errors and miscommunications on the back end and they're giving up a ton, like the whole point of playing zone is that you're not supposed to give up big plays, but the Falcons <laughs> just give up big play after big play when they play zone. So it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of a catch 22. If they play zone, they're, they're good against the run. If they play man, they can't stop the run, but they're better against coverage, you know, and they play zone, right. they're terrible against coverage. So it's one of those things where they, you kind of have to sort of, they have to pick their own poison. It's like, do we want to stop the run? We want to stop Murray first and hope that we can take care of business on the back end. And I think, again, if Trufant doesn't play, I think they're going to have to be forced to play a lot more zone and just hope to sell out against the run, hopefully get some stops and maybe put the Saints in some third and longs. And, and maybe then they can maybe get enough stops to slow down this offense. So we're going to finish today's episode and wrap up by talking about some keys to the game. That is our treat to you, but you guys should treat yourself particularly to a meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. All right, so let's talk through now maybe some keys to, for this game, some keys for this matchup. Uh, for you, what's your first sort of key to victory for the Falcons here? I think the Falcons have to get off to a fast start. They really struggled over the years when it, when it comes to slow starts on the road. And this team in particular this season, one of the big reasons why they've struggled in addition to their defensive struggles is because their offense basically has been only reliably scoring maybe three, seven points in the first halves of these games. And they always find themselves in these massive holes that they sometimes will make it close in the second half, but they just they get into these holes and they can't sort of climb out of it. And so I think against the Saints on the road, knowing that this offense is potentially going to do some real damage to this Falcons defense, they need to get this offense off to a fast start. So Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, whether it's Devontae Freeman or Austin Hooper, someone has to come out early in this game and really punch the, the Saints in the mouth and get some points on the board and hopefully make the the Saints, you know, play off their back play off their heels a little bit um, and, and force them to play to the Falcons tempo rather than trying to play to the Saints tempo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that for me, the first one is probably getting pressure on Matt Ryan, uh, which I think neutralizes exactly the the key that you're talking about for them. You know, if they can get after Matt Ryan, force some three and outs early on in the game, especially through those first 15 scripted plays where the offense for the Falcons really can click, uh, get after the quarterback, get after Matt Ryan or Matt Shaw. But I'm expecting Matt Ryan is probably going to be the guy for this game. Uh, you know, Dan Quinn's job kind of rests on this team performing the best way that it can and with Matt Ryan is the best way to do that. And so I expect them to try to get after the quarterback as much as possible and also limit the run game so that they can sort of force the Falcons into passing situations and then be able to maintain that throughout the game. If the saints can build a lead that's, you know, two touchdowns or at least, at least a pair of scores, it forces the Falcons to play off their back heels a little bit and then have to pass and uh, try to throw their way back into the game, throw 50 something times. And then that gives the saints the opportunity to get after 
the quarterback and then also be able to sort of try to maximize on any um, maximize on any turnovers or be the opportunistic defense that they've shown that they can be. But this is an opportunity for them to really do that uh, going up against this this Falcons team. And so for my second key, I think I, I, I will basically go. I don't know what exactly it is. It's kind of something I, I beat around the bus earlier, but it's like they have to kind of figure out who do they want to take, who are they going to prioritize? Are they going to prioritize stopping the run? Are they going to prioritize stopping Michael Thomas? And I think they just need to basically concentrate on doing what, because I don't think they're going to be able to do both. So it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where I think they just kind of pick one, go with it, go all in on that. And then, you know, just let the other guy completely kill you. And I think for the Falcons, probably stopping the run probably makes the most sense. So hopefully they can get that right. And maybe that'll give them some opportunities again, as I said earlier, to force the Saints into some third and longs because they're able to stop the runs on early downs. And then that will at least give their defense some advantageous situations uh, on that third down to potentially maybe get some stops and allow their offense to then, you know, respond to that and maybe put some points up and, and stay competitive in this game. So I think selling out against the run probably is the best strategy, but, you know, I, I could certainly be uh, regretting that that take, you know, come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it depends on if Drew Brees is able to catch that rhythm pretty quick. Uh, my next one is going to be sort of sort of operating off of what I was talking about with the pass rush and sort of maximizing the opportunistic defense, opportunistic part of the defense is taking advantage of mistakes uh, and and forcing some turnovers. Right now, the Falcons are minus eleven in turnover differential, while the Saints are plus three. And so, if you're able to force them into those situations, like I was referencing, to where they're passing and trying to get back into the game in a two score deficit, take advantage of any passes that might go errant. Take advantage of sort of the rushed pace of the offense and try to force force some mistakes and force some turnovers. And you can also do that off of the pass rush as well. But, you know, uh, one of the big sort of bold predictions that I've been putting up so far for this team uh, for this game is that Von Bell, the safety for the Saints, has been excellent in his in his contract year, his fourth year here, but still no interceptions in his entire career. This could be the game where he finally gets his first one if they're able to be opportunistic and take advantage of some mistakes for some turnovers. Yeah, my, my last key, I think, is just sort of doing kind of the opposite of what I say which mm-hmm. before, which is do something new. Like the Falcons are coming mm-hmm. out of the bye week. They made some coaching changes this week. They moved their wide receivers coach Raheem Morris to help out with the secondary. Maybe that eliminates some of those mental errors and miscommunications that's been plaguing them the last couple of weeks. But like hoping that the Falcons have something new, a new wrinkle for the Saints that they've been working on during this bye week that can come out whether it's early in the game or late in the game, that they can show to the Saints and the Saints can be like, oh, we weren't at all prepared for that. And maybe that could be the, the key for them to maybe potentially, you know, find some way to sort of steal this game and, and really sort of just throw a wrench into the, the Saints, you know, playoff run at this point. My final one is pretty quick. Uh, get Drew Brees in a rhythm and get the chemistry built with some of those guys that are returning from injury. Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook. These are some names that we might see coming back after the bye week if that's the case get that chemistry rolling and get it rolling pretty quickly. I mean, we know that Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are always going to have their chemistry, but if you can get some of those other guys, those other playmakers involved in the offense, do it and do it early. Absolutely. Well, Ross, I appreciate you joining me talking about this uh, Saints Falcons matchup. I'm I'm looking forward to it. This is, you know, the the big rivalry, even though one team is up, one team is down. I, I do look forward to the hope that, you know, these divisional games can be a lot closer than maybe the records indicate. And hopefully they, they give us an entertaining game on Sunday. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Should be a blast. Always is. Uh, and always a pleasure being with you, man. Well, guys, there you have it. Another crossover in the books. Again, want to thank Ross for joining me on today's episode. If you want to check out Ross's content 
elsewhere on uh, obviously you can check it out on the locked on saints podcast on your favorite podcast platform you can find them on twitter at ross jackson asc and of course asc stands for all saints considered which is all saints considered.com where you can find ross and other saints uh people covering that team on a daily basis as well so um again appreciate you guys for tuning in we'll be back tomorrow with a q a where I don't know if I'll, obviously I won't be breaking down the All-22 from the Falcons' most recent game, but that gives you an opportunity. That means we can answer more questions on tomorrow's episode, so we can might do a straight Q&A type of episode. So send in those questions on Twitter, on Facebook, Locked on Falcons, the name of both pages there, as well as via email, LockedOnFalcons at mail.com, and I'll be able to hit you guys up and answer any questions that you may have. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.